Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Daniel. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing us and coming into our lives, opening our eyes, and helping us to grow spiritually, Lord. Help us to see you in everything. Thank you, Lord, for saving us and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. Amen. Eternally grateful. I'd like to thank all the people that work hard for the ministry, one body, many parts. We all need to do this together for it to function properly. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it? And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for allowing us this beautiful day of life and this beautiful opportunity, Lord, to come up out of the world, Lord, and into your house tonight, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. Thank you for giving us a beautiful home to worship you in, Lord. We're just so grateful and thankful we can call it our own today, Lord. Thank you for everything you do in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provide for us, Lord. I just pray for a hedge of protection around us and our family as the enemy tries to attack us in spiritual warfare, Lord. Help us to see you in everything, Lord, and rely on you and trust you and not our feelings, Lord, knowing that you're going to get us home safely, Lord, if we submit to you and trust you, Father. And we're eternally grateful for all you do in our lives, Lord. Thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us, Lord. And thank you for always remaining faithful to us, Lord, even though we're not always faithful to you, Father. We're just so grateful, Lord, and to help us to use our freedom to serve one another in love, Lord. Not to serve sin anymore, Lord. And we're just grateful that we can do that. Thank you for giving us a choice to do right now, Lord. And the power to accomplish it, Lord. We're just grateful and we pray for people that are sick, Lord, and suffering. Our sister Doreen that you put a healing on her, Lord, so she can come back to the church, Lord, and visit the house so we could be with her, Lord, as one body with many parts, Father. And anyone else who might not be feeling well, Lord, or who might be lost out there, if they can get the message tonight to receive salvation, Lord. And as always, let everything be led by your spirit and not our flesh, and it's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand, worship the Lord, and get started.
King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Name above all names. At the name of Jesus, every tongue, knee will bow and every tongue confess. Jesus is Lord. The glory of God the Father. All right, how's everybody doing tonight, all right? Boy, I, I just feel so good to come here and get a reprieve from the world. It's just so crazy out there. People are going nuts. It's, just, it's like, I, I can't wait to get here. Just for a little reprieve from that. It's, it's nice that I get to come here in the morning, too, and get set up for the day, because I already know what's coming, you know? Especially after doing a spiritual warfare message. Forget it. The devil's not happy at all. He's going to come after us. All right, let's start tonight in um, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Let me get there. <laughs> Do I have a choice? I'm right there. I don't even have a choice. But I can go further. <laughs> All right, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over. So please clear your mind of the day and prepare your hearts to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Try not to let the devil distract you and sidetrack you. The Good Shepherd and His Sheep. Jesus speaking here. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So what he was talking about right there, the, when he, the shepherd of the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Anybody else's voice, they wouldn't come, they would be afraid of it because they know it wasn't the right voice. So that's what he's trying to tell us. So look what it says. He explained it to them. Verse 7. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come in before, who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So the devil's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy your Christian life after you get saved. And he's going to try to do that all the way till you go home to be with the Lord. So you have to understand that you're not, he's not going to let you off the hook because you follow Jesus now. He's going to attack you more than ever. Now, Look at Jesus' purposes for our life. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What does he mean? A rich and satisfying life in the spirit. You see, once you come out of the flesh and into the spirit, you could have a rich and satisfying life down there. Nothing will move you out there. 
The way the world's going, all hell breaking loose, people coming at you. Nothing will move you because you're in the spirit. And you have a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. You see that in Christianity today too. People are behind the pulpits for the money, not for the people. They're not willing to lay their lives down for the people. If the money goes, they go. Yeah, exactly. They take it up as a vocation, like a job. No, that's not how God does it. That's why, this, that's why the churches are a mess today. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Now look what it says. When he said these things, the people were divided in their opinions about Jesus. Some said he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? You get that today. You try to talk to somebody about Jesus, they think you're a nut job because they have the devil running their lives and they think this is all a bunch of nonsense. Spiritual warfare doesn't exist. It's all coincidental. They don't see what we see. You get that today. So they said, why listen to a man like that? And exactly what it is. People will snarl, they put it on the, on the thing when they come on the Facebook, right? They laugh or they smile. Or they, or they, but they can't just leave it alone. They have to comment on it, see? Like we don't bother with anything else or comment on what anything else is doing. But when we're doing the righteous thing, people are doing unrighteous, have to comment. They have to say something because it sheds light on them, you see? And it convicts them. So they have to say something. Because it brings out the anger. And get any men here. But what do we do? We just keep moving forward. And preaching the truth. Knowing that God's got our back. Alright, I got one for us. Go to 2 Timothy 2. You don't realize... Uh, how much the warfare is till you really get involved with this. My goodness, the attacks are crazy. And they use as people. Even Christians that are not really following the Lord. They're, they have the Lord, but they don't know the Lord, so they don't know his ways or how the devil works or any of this. But we do. We realize what's going on. Some people don't want to get educated because ignorance is bliss for them. I don't have to know all this stuff, so I'm not accountable. Look what it says in verse 15. 
Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer on the Greek gangrene. As in the case of Hermeneus and Philetus, they have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his. And he's quoting Numbers 16.5 right there. And all who belong to the Lord should or must, must turn away from evil. That's Isaiah 52 verse 11. Now look at verse 20. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. So you know, at your house, you got a hutch, right? With all them dishes, the beautiful plates in them, full of dust, right? Before you take them out, you got to wash them all again anyway, right? But they only come out at like Thanksgiving or Christmas, the special utensils. The ones you use every day, you throw them back in the cupboard and you use them, right? That's what he's trying to say. Some utensils are made of gold and silver, some wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. Now here's an if. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So what's he saying? You've got to clean out your life. Once you do that, you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. And then that's what we do on Mondays. We clean it out so God can use us. Then it says in verse 22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts, like we're here tonight, right? You see how few are really calling on the Lord with a pure heart? Look, with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish ignorant arguments that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to just the people you want to be kind to. No, it says must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. So God is training all of us and he's putting difficult people in our lives for a reason to train us to be able to handle it and to be patient. There's no growth without resistance. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. So you should welcome the resistance. Welcome it so you can grow and handle it. Can I get any men here? Understand why. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Why? Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Only God can change someone's heart. You can't, I can't. All we could do is tell them what he's done for us. And they will learn the truth. Look at verse 26. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. 
They're, the blinders are on them and they're trapped by the devil and they can't come to the Lord. They're trapped. Thank God that we're set free. Believe me, that song, He Set Me Free, that is a blessing to get set free from the devil's power. We are blessed to have, just be set free from that alone. If that's all we get till we go home to be with him, that should be enough. We're set free from the control of the devil. He no longer has to control us. Other people that are not saved, they're still under the control of him and they can't get out of the trap. They can come to church, people who come to church and hear the word of God, they just still can't get out of the trap. It does, their eyes can't be opened. The, the veil is on. It's scary. I thank God that my eyes are opened. Thank God that yours are. So we can receive this. All right. That was good, right? Let's go to um, Daniel 11. Does everybody remember where we were? Let's see. Actually, yeah, we are in 39, but I'm going to back up a little bit. But anyway, I just want to summarize a little bit. We're going to move on to 12. This is the last chapter we're going into. We're going to be finishing um, Daniel. Maybe tonight. <laughs> Lord willing, we will. If not, peace. What's the rush? We want to get the gist of this. All right, now, in, in chapter 11, in Daniel 11 is the most detailed prophecy in the Bible, this chapter. It chronicles wars between the king of the north and the king of the south. The two, then two kings rise and fall until one most destructive king rises to power. There is a shift in verse 21 to the coming Antichrist that was foreshadowed by Antichrist, Epiphanes, who set up the abomination of desolation, persecutes the saints, rages in power and destruction, and controls a worldwide economic system. The predictions of Antiochus are so accurate in order for God to confirm his word of what will happen in fullness at the end of the age. These details give great insight to the rise of the Antichrist especially in verse 36 to 45, that focus in on him. Daniel 11 provides an intricate historical account of what has been fulfilled, of what has been fulfilled partially, and what will be fulfilled. The chapter majorly deals with the rise of the Antichrist and the events surrounding the abomination of desolation, especially hopeful in this passage uh, verses 32 to 35. Though the greatest of persecution, through the greatest of persecutions, the church is seen as prevailing in purity, understanding, and great exploits. All right, let's go to verse chapter. Let's go to verse 37. Let's back up. We'll come down. Okay. Oh, 36. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined will surely take place. 
If God said it's going to happen, you can take it to the bank that it will. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors or for the God loved by woman or for any other God for he will boast that he is greater than them all. Remember, I told you last week that God loved by woman may refer to Tammuz, a Babylonian fertility god. Okay? Tammuz is also mentioned in Ezekiel 8.14. In other words, this person won't recognize any deity or religions at all, not even pagan ones. Instead, he will proclaim himself to be divine and the ultimate power. So we know that whoever's going to rise to power has nothing to do with religion or believes in any of it. Okay, verse 38. Instead of these, he will worship the God of fortresses, a God his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Okay, the God of fortresses is believed by some to be Jupiter or Zeus. The implication is that this king will make war his god. More than all his predecessors, he will wage war and glorify its horrors. So this guy is going to love torturing people. To loving torturing people. And if you go back and read some of the horrors of the Holocaust, there was, there was people that were actually torturing people performing operations on them while with no anesthesia and making weird things to them, sewing body parts on them. It's crazy what they were doing back then to them people. They were experimenting with them. If you ever, if you ever get a chance to look at the history of what really happened back then, they were telling them to go take showers, and what was coming out of the shower head was gas to kill them. Millions of them. They say if you go there today, you can still smell it. The death camps. That's how many millions of people were in the death camps. Millions of Jews were killed. And they thought they were doing good. That's how twisted the devil can get in someone's head. To cause, the, even King, even um, Saul. Saul was killing Christians. Thinking he was doing God justice. But really he was being controlled by the devil. The devil comes as an angel of light, thinking that they're doing righteous things. Get rid of the people. There's a lot of religious that believe in that. All right, let's go to verse 39. Let's continue here. Claiming this foreign God's help, he will attack the strongest fortresses. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward or at a price. So he's going to take care of people that what join him. So if you're against him, forget it, you're going to get killed. That's what it's saying. You've got no choice. He's going to be like Nebuchadnezzar. Then, at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers in a vast navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. Okay? In verse 40, the Antichrist of the last days becomes the center of attention from this point through the rest of the book of Daniel. Okay? From here on in, it's going to be focused on the Antichrist. 
He will enter the glorious land of Israel, right? And many nations will fall. But Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries, and even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, and treasures of Egypt, and the Libyans and Ethiopians, or in the Hebrew, the Cushites, will be his servants. But then news from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in great anger to destroy and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tents. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out and no one will help him. Good, right? Okay, in verse 45, <clears throat> the glorious holy mountain is Mount Zion or the city of Jerusalem. The heavenly man proclaims that the power of the king of the north, the Antichrist, will run out and no one will help him. This pronouncement reminds us that God limits the power of all evil. This king will surely be defeated, but not by any human beings, but by God's power to place boundaries around him. So, believe me, we're coming out victorious through this whole thing. So there's really nothing to worry about. <laughs> but it can put fear... Look, and a lot of uneducated Christians, it could put fear in them, thinking that what's going to happen to us? Listen, God's going to protect us. He said it. He's going to take care of his, his faithful believers are going to get protected. The unfaithful ones, all bets are off. But the faithful ones are going to be protected. That's why all the more we should be faithful to him, trust him, and fear him. Saying, Lord, I want to be, when this happens, I want to be ready to get out of here, and I want you to help me. Because it's going to be like hell on earth down here. I don't know if we're going to get stuck here or get whisked out of here or not. But all I know is this. God commands you to be ready for when that day comes. Either way. And he commands all of us for that. Can I get a big amen here? <clears throat> and that's what we're doing. Preparing for the last days. I mean, I'm not a prophet, but the way things are going out there, it seems like it might be in our time. I don't know. If it is, we're going to get out of here before we die. It's going to be awesome. Imagine we're never going to have to face death. See ya. New resurrected glorified bodies. Never no pain, no suffering. We're out of here. There's chosen people. There's going to be a generation of people that are going to get that blessing. Just taking up out of here. Hopefully it's us, right? But there's going to be people that get taken out of here without dying. Just like Elijah was taken up, remember? See ya. I'd be waving goodbye at everybody. See ya. Who wouldn't want to be ya? No, because after, after we go up, all hell breaks loose down here. He's going to destroy all this. The Bible prophecies, it's crazy. All right, let's go into verse chapter 12. All right, let's summarize this a little bit. In Daniel 12 is a summary of the kingdom of God prevailing over the greatest suffering 
and persecution of the Antichrist kingdom. It shows that Michael is the angel over Israel and that Israel will, though caught like a diamond, be preserved and saved. Okay? This is the only Old Testament passage that describes the resurrection of righteousness and the wicked so clearly. There are also very important dates that help with the understanding of end time events, especially in verses 7, 11, and 12. So pay attention. Though Daniel desired to understand further, he is told that it does not concern his lifetime, but that his message would be preserved and that knowledge would surely increase leading up to the end of the age. Daniel 12 rolls out a vicious and quiet, disheartening chapter. Chapter 11, it shines brightly in contrast to the persecution, suffering, and seemingly endless beastly kingdoms up until this point. I somehow bring hope and fresh thought and perspective to the promises of God. Significant is God's sure promise that the greatest suffering the world has ever seen will absolutely not exceed 3.5 years, even though the Antichrist will seek to extend his time as seen in chapter 11. Okay? We see here the salvation of Israel and the resurrection of the righteous. It truly precedes the greatest of man's hopes and desires, the kingdom of God coming to earth. Okay, we ready here now? Okay, pay attention, this is going to be important. The last chapter. My wife wants me to finish it, so. A happy wife is a happy life. <laughs> I had to put that in there. I want to say something else, but I can't. Not be on the couch. Okay, verse 1. Like you, you learn when you get older when... I'm going to zip it. I already know. It's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know what gets us in trouble, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Sometimes we like to... Turn the screwdriver. All right, at the time of the end... <laughs> Add to a little humor in there. Because this is some dark times. There's going to be some dark times coming. Believe me when I tell you. The Bible talks about it. I mean, if you look at the way what's going on out there right now, it is so godless out there. It's like anything goes. Everything's accepted. I can't believe what I see on TV, on the radio, what I'm hearing. Everything's just a free-for-all. Whatever you want is good. Just do it. And guess what? There's no consequences anymore. So sin is going to run rampant out there because there's no consequences for it. People are accepting sin, even the church. Because they don't want the church to lose the numbers, they have to accept the sin. But that's not trusting God. That's trusting the devil to keep the church open. Then it's going to turn into a synagogue of Satan. And people think they're worshiping God, and they're going to be worshiping the devil. Because they're accepting sin in God's house. It's not going to happen here. 
No, no, no. We're going to read the. We're going to stick in the Bible. Amen. The Bible is just as is is relevant now as it was when it was written four thousand years ago. Amen. All right. The time of the end. Verse one. At that time, Michael, the archangel, or the great prince who stands God over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. Think about that. There will be great, a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. There it is. We're in the book of life. We're rescued. There's no question about it. It's written. We're in the book of life. Now, before we go, let me just keep going. Verse 1. Great suffering is still in store for God's people throughout the years ahead. Okay? Jeremiah also described the future this way. In Jeremiah 30, verse 7, as Jesus did in Matthew 24, 21 to 51. Yet... God tempers the great suffering of his people by giving a great promise of hope for all true believers. Every single person whose name is written in the book, that is, everyone who has put his or her faith, trust, and hope in Jesus, will be rescued. Take comfort that no matter how evil the days may seem, filled with persecutions, war, and even death, God will ultimately rescue his people from the clutches of both sin and death. The apostles preached this hope for all believers in Romans 5.5, 5, Colossians 1.27, and Hebrews 6.19. We have the promise of the hope of resurrection and the new heaven and the new earth. Thank you, Jesus. We have the promise. Verse 2. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. So even the people that die, everybody's going to get rise up and, and is going to go before the Lord and see which they're gonna, where, where they're going to go. So even the unbelievers are not just escaping any of this. Even though they die, they're going to be called to give an account. Ooh. All right, now let me just go, before we keep going, I want to explain this. This last chapter, we're not leaving until we finish it, but I'm going to explain it clearly. In verse 2, this is a clear reference to the resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Although the eternal destiny of each will be quite different. This was a turning point in God's revelation. Up to this point in time, teaching about the resurrection was not common. Although every Israelite believed that one day he or she would be included in the restoration of the new kingdom. This reference to a body resurrection of both the saved and the lost was a sharp departure from common belief. Although God rescued Daniel many times, this promise would be the greatest rescue of all. Job 19, 25, 26, Psalm 16, 10, and Isaiah 26, 19. 
for old, other, uh, old Testament references to the resurrection are back there. Okay? Verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. The people that are bringing people to Jesus right now are the ones who are going to shine like the stars forever. They're going to be like, they're going to be able to, you're going to be able to notice the difference between people who did the work of the Lord and people who didn't do the work of the Lord. That's what it's saying. Now, Many people try to be stars in the world of entertainment only to find their stardom temporary. God tells us how we can be eternal stars by being wise and leading many to his righteousness. If we share our Lord with others, we can be true stars, radiantly beautiful in God's sight. Amen, right? Listen, God saved us for that very reason. I don't know why Christians do not understand why we got saved. We got saved so we could bring someone else into the kingdom. If it wasn't for someone, I would never get in the kingdom either if somebody didn't tell me about Jesus. So it's up to us to tell others about Jesus. That's why he saved us. And he gave us the ability to do it. We work for Jesus now. And the rewards are eternal. Okay. Look at verse 4. Look what he's talking. He's saying this to Daniel now. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and their, their and knowledge will increase. So let me um, expand on that. Sealing up the book meant that it was to be kept safe and preserved until God's proper time. Okay? God wants believers from all times to look back on his work in history and find hope. Daniel did not understand the exact meaning of the times and events in his vision, and the whole book will not be understood until the climax of Earth's history. Hindsight can be a beautiful tool for understanding events in our lives. However, we must depend on God as we live day by day. See, we, see, we don't know the whole picture. See, but he wants us to, you know, just understand, trust God. I don't know about you, but I trust God. Look what's going on out there. You want to trust that world? It's going crazy out there. It's only going to bring death. All the stuff that's getting taught out there is going to bring death. Look at verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing above the river, how long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen, who was standing above the river, raised both his hands towards heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, it will go on for a time, times, and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, 
All these things will have happened. Now, let me explain that a little bit. Time, times, and half a time is usually interpreted to mean three and a half years. Okay? Though some interpret it figuratively, the holy people have been shattered and crushed again and again throughout history. God's reoccurring purpose is to break the pride and self-sufficiency of his rebellious people. He has always wanted his people to accept him as Lord. Go back in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and, and Who rebelled against him? His own people. All through history, even today, Christians are rebelling against God. What do I mean by rebelling? By you not being obedient to God, you are rebelling against God. If you're not obeying his word, you are rebelling against him. That's what they were doing back in the Old Testament. They were not obeying him. They were going to temple, offering sacrifices, performing all the religious duties. But their hearts weren't changed. It didn't do anything to change them. All it was was an outward sign. And, and, and God said, it's a stench to my nostrils because it hasn't changed you. Can I get any men here? Religious outward things don't change you. And that's what religion does. It takes us away from Jesus and puts us in a religious system that has nothing to do with God. As a matter of fact, it's the devil. And people think they're following the Lord. But it's the Satan. He set us free from religion. All right, look at verse 8. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. So if he said it's been kept secret, why are we going to try to make it not a secret and figure it out? It says it's kept secret. That means you're never going to figure it out. So why are you trying to? If it, if it wasn't revealed to Daniel, who was his star servant, you think it's going to be revealed to us? intellectual morons <laughs> that think we have it all figured out? Daniel, he trusted in the Lord all the way and it wasn't revealed to him. And all these Bible scholars and all these people think that they can figure this all out and, and, and know exactly what he's talking about when it says it's kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. So why am I going to try to figure it out if the Bible said it's sealed and secret? I'm a big amen there. So what do you do while you're waiting? Become like Jesus. So when it does happen, you're ready. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Instead of him saying, you spent all the time in the library trying to figure out when this was going to happen, and you forgot about me and what I called you to do. Because you try to figure out all this stuff there's nothing that wasn't going to get figured out. They can't get figured out. It, it's happening now. There's more people trying to figure this out than become like Jesus. That's what's happening in churches today. Instead of putting their faith in Christ, trusting the Lord like a little child, they want to be these intellectual giants that got this all figured out and lord over the people. 
Jesus said, if you want to serve me, you've got to wash their feet. Yeah. Talking about sitting on some ivory tower. Yeah. Please, read your Bible. The, the people up here have to serve the people down there. They don't serve them. We serve, they, we serve you. And if it's the other way around, it's the devil. You're serving the devil. And people just don't want to read the Bible and get out of that. It's crazy. People would rather follow that because they think they're following some religious system that God's happy with them. But Jesus hated that. He was after the Pharisees all the time. Called them whitewashed tombs. Beautiful robes on the outside, full with dead man's bones inside. Okay. Look what it says in verse 8. I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant, so I asked. How will it all finally end, my Lord? He said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret till the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. See, that's what it's, what are the trials designed to do? Purify us, cleanse us, and refine us. So we become more and more like Jesus. So why would we not want them to come? If we know that that's what they're designed to do. But if we don't know what they're designed to do, why is that happening to me? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? I go to church, I read my Bible. Get it? And that's what happens to Christians. They walk away. That's why he's doing it, because he's refining you. Now look what it says. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. All right, before we go on. Trials and persecutions make very little sense to us when we experience them. Sometimes loved ones are taken from us, Disease, disease destroys our quality of life, and evil situations arise. A happy ending or specific lesson learned may not always occur as a result of suffering. Sometimes, however, God does not want to teach us through suffering. If we endure and are open to his work in us, he can use trials to purify and refine us. Romans 5, 3-5 for how God works through us in suffering. Verse 11. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration or the abomination of desolation is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. Okay? Now... The sacrilegious object that causes desecration set up in the temple is the altar of Zeus, where Antichius IV Epiphany sacrificed a pig. Remember I told you about that? The prophecy may have another fulfillment in the Antichrist and one of his horrible acts of evil in Matthew 24, 15. This in the predictions in the early part of the chapter, however, may refer specifically to Antiochus and the fourth Epiphanies, and the rest of the prophecy may refer to the end times. So we're saying there's a dual application. Something that already happened and something that's to come. In verse 12. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 13 
135 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then the, at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. So Daniel's sleeping right now. That's what it's saying. This is, this is, how, this is how we know what's going to happen to us. It says, as for you, go your way until the end, until you die. You will rest like you're sleeping. And then at the end of the days, time to come, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Like when you go to bed tonight, Daniel's still sleeping right now. Okay, that's what it's like for him. He died, he's sleeping. And when he wakes up, it's going to be like a 24-hour day. He's not going to realize it was 4,000 years later. That's how it's going to be. And that's how it's going to be for us if we happen to pass away. We're just going to sleep and we're going to wake up again. That's going to be that's cool. Ain't it? Just imagine. You don't even know. Like You might go to bed tonight and actually not wake up, right? And die. But when you do wake up, right, you're going to wake up and say, where am I? It's going to be like, you're going to be like, I'm happy. And you're going to be like, wow, I never woke up like this before. I'm usually grouchy till I drink my coffee. You're going to be like, you're not going to have that, you know, them thoughts that come to your head when you wake up in the morning? Confusion sometimes and the day setting up already. And it's like, you don't know if you were in a dream or some kind of state, you know? When you open your eyes again, you are going to be so No more sin. Done. Finished. That's what the Bible says. Daniel right now is sleeping. Just imagine, he went to sleep. And when he wakes up again, he's going to be receive his inheritance that was set aside for him. Like all of us. So we're getting this, right? This is going to happen. So if we don't get taken out by the rapture, when we do pass away, when we wake up, we'll be with Jesus. But we're not, in other words, like our parents ain't looking over us right now saying, I saw what you did last night. Yeah. <laughs> That's what people think. They think they're like, they're like watching you. They're not. They're not. They're sleeping. Thank God they are, right? Thank God they're sleeping. <laughs> All right, let, let's, let's get through this. Is everybody with me so far? All right. The promise of resurrection was reaffirmed to Daniel. He would one day see the fulfillment of his own words, but he was not to spend the rest of his life wondering what his visions might mean. See? See, God told him, look, forget about all that, thinking when it's going to happen, and just relax and trust me. See? So he had to have holy amnesia, but he got crazy revelations that he had to forget about. Right? Instead, he was to rest in the comfort of God's sovereignty and look forward to the time when he would rise to receive and share eternal life with God. God does not reveal everything to us in this life. We want to know what lies ahead, but instead he shows us what he is like, gives us wisdom and understanding, and touches us with his love. We must be content with the partial picture until he wants us to see more. Daniel stands tall in the gallery of God's remarkable servants, born of noble heritage 
yet taken into captivity when only a teenager. Daniel determined to remain faithful to God in the land of his captivity. Even at great personal cost, Daniel spent his entire lifetime advising his captives with unusual wisdom. God chose him as his servant to record some of the events of the captivity and some significant events concerning the future. As an old man, having been faithful to God throughout his years, Daniel was assured by God that he would rise from the dead and receive his portion in God's eternal kingdom. Faithfulness to God brings a rich reward, not necessarily in this life, but most certainly in the life to come. Amen. Amen. And that is the end of the book of Daniel. Amen. Right? So rest assured, it's a win-win for us. If we stay alive, we can bring others into the kingdom. If we die, we're going to be with the Lord. It doesn't matter. It's a win-win. Amen? All right, we're going to close there. Dave, you want to come up and close us? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you give us each week to step out of the world and into your house, Lord, yes, and receive Lord. your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would always submit to your will, Lord, and glorify you no matter what we might be going through, Lord, knowing that you always allow things to happen for a reason, Lord. As in Romans 8.18 tells us, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will re reveal to us later. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Lord, help us take heed to your commandments, Lord. And may our actions always line up with them. Lord, may the, the Holy Spirit guide us to be doers of your word, and not just readers of your word, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we would humbly and patiently wait on you, Lord, to guide our lives. And when faced with temptation, Lord, you give us the strength to rely on you and not our flesh, Lord. And Lord, I pray anyone out there that is truly seeking you and your word, Lord, that you may guide them here, Lord, whether it be in person or through the live feed, Lord. Yes. And Lord, I pray for protection over the church, Lord, from the schemes of the devil. May you never be able to infiltrate the church, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for, well, I just pray for you to continue to watch over this church and congregation, Lord. Anybody who's sick may not be feeling well or just going through anything, Lord. Touch their hearts, reassure them that you never leave them or forsake them and that you're with them always, Lord. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everybody. All right, we're going to watch your video and close.